Welcome to episode 173 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber, joined once again by Paul Herman. Paul, how you doing? Wow, there is a lot, a lot to talk about. I mean, well, as, as far as big items, it's not like we have like, you know, a plethora of things, but like the things that like are dropping are pretty goddamn big. So we've got a lot to discuss. It's been really, I mean, just it's so weird now. Like it feels weird to get mm. news again, like back to back weeks. We've got news to talk about. And we had a jam packed show last week. And after all the recording and all of the editing, all of a sudden we get this WandaVision trailer. And a lot of you already heard me talk for like 12 minutes yeah. about the WandaVision trailer. So I want to give Paul yeah. an opportunity to, to share his thoughts. But before I do that, make sure you're following MCU Fan Show at <laughs> MCU Fan Show in all those places you can, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then if you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and a review as well. We really would appreciate it. So, Paul, yes. we get this WandaVision trailer. You and I, mm -hmm. as we talk about all of these things, we've talked about it quite a bit. We even talked about it ahead of time, not knowing that a trailer was going to drop. We just talked about the news last week that we knew that we were going to get this show at some time, this, at some point in 2020. And boy, do we really need it in 2020 now. More on that later on in this podcast. <laughs> but we've talked about this show, how different it is, how intriguing it is, and how we just don't even know what it is. We still don't know after this trailer, by the way, but we get the sitcom reality, and we know that there's this other thing going on in the MCU epic sort of thing, and we finally get some glimpses of that in this trailer but just overall, your reaction to this WandaVision trailer, because as is vintage Paul Herman, he doesn't share what he thinks on Twitter. He gives you his little vague hints at what he might say. But Paul, for the first time ever, what did you yes. think of this WandaVision trailer? Well, um, <clears throat> it, it was very if you get, didn't listen to the last episode, which if you didn't listen to the last episode, how you know, why are you listening to they this listened. one? too? Come on. They listen. Yeah, they listen. OK, so. You kind of heard me go off a little bit because uh, in a good way, it was a good go off. You could say I was going off in the fact that I was I, how important I think WandaVision is and how there's a lot, I think, writing on it creatively for the MCU. And I think I think for the longevity of the MCU going forward, because if you start rehashing and just kind of thinking you can just retool different characters, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get it that much into it, but I just said it was really important. And that's with only seeing a few stills, hearing the things that we've heard through, you know, leaking online, which again, I try to avoid the stuff now and the speculation between Sean and I and everything. So I, but I, at the same time, knowing what they're using for inspiration is really intriguing. And whenever I was, thinking, was that at work? I was somewhere, I just couldn't get to it right away. Whatever happened, I think it was during a football game. The Seahawks were playing. And yeah, because it was, was like it was last yeah. Sunday night. So yeah, Seahawks had the had the evening game. Yeah, so I was like, oh crap, this drop. But I I I was too distracted, too emotionally uh, all over the place to to sit down and watch Wandavision trailer. When I finally did, I was I was relieved, and that's a weird word to say, but everything that I was going off about the last episode, Sean. I felt vindicated on everything and I was not expecting that. I think this trailer did a phenomenal job of really getting 
to show the audience this is not exactly a Marvel MCU film or traditional MCU film. And they really hit hard of what's going what foreshadowing. If you know Wanda, uh, I call her Maximoff. Thank you very much. Um, Wanda Maximoff uh, or whatever. If you know that character at all from the comic books, you know, like the SH is going to hit the fan in this series. Like it, you just it and they do a great job of telegraphing that throughout this whole series. And the fact that basically visions in the middle and that is very much a for the most part, I would say a very comic accurate thing. And everything just screamed to me, this is different. And it, it's taking so many great facets from the Marvel uh, comic books and molding them together. And and again, Feige and company are making a uh, television series that I think is going to take the superhero uh, tr- not only tropes, but the ideas and really taking them to new heights that the comic books, again, I, I, comic books will live and die by the, or excuse me, superheroes will live and die by comic books. It's a, it's a reality. They were birthed in comics. Their stories will continue in comics, but what the comics have done with superheroes is show over the years that there's, you can tell any kind of tale with them and you just have to, you know, have good story storytellers. This is no different with film in no matter what medium you use. And obviously, obviously being a visual medium, it's important for that, I think, for superheroes. But regardless, with WandaVision, we're getting something that is very, very, I think, unique and potentially could be telling a very tragic story. And that to me is really exciting because I think Again, once you open once you open this door of this kind of storytelling and fans will get into it, I think people are just going to gravitate towards any kind of story that we're going to that we need in, in comic books. One thing that I, I, I definitely got a feel for it. I'm, and I haven't heard your thoughts, Sean, because I was, you know, I was expecting that I didn't know you're yeah, going to do it. The uh, audience listens. You don't listen. Yeah. Well, well, hold on now. I listen to you, too. But I want to wait. No, for these look. Conversations. That was part of my reaction last Sunday night when the trailer dropped. It's like, of course, I was excited that we got the trailer and we were talking about it on the Patreon exclusive discord, patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R for more details on that. And just listen later on in the show when I talk about it. But we were reacting to it on the discord and I was totally pumped up. But then there was also that part of where, you know, when you're podcasting and you finish recording a podcast and you edit a podcast and you're all happy because you have it all done and you have it all scheduled and everything to publish on Monday morning, and you just feel like you got it all done on time. It's perfect. Oh, crap, there's a brand new trailer. And so, yeah, I, I went ahead and I talked about it. I didn't really do, well, I guess I did do a, a a little bit of breaking down of the trailer and just kind of recapping and stuff like that. But um, I didn't go, I, I saved a lot of the more, you know, the nitty gritty details right, for this show. I, I would just say, though, just to echo some of your thoughts, on yeah. just from an overall standpoint on the trailer, just in case for those of you who didn't hear my initial reaction, I loved the trailer. I thought it was great. I thought it did everything that a WandaVision trailer ever could have needed to do. And I don't think that Paul and I are, are at all alone on that. Everybody knows the the response to the trailer, like 53 million views or something in the first 24 hours, which I guess is a record for a streaming series. I don't know who's been keeping track this whole time. That's I know insane. they've been keeping track of movies. I didn't know they were doing that for streaming spots. But anyway, so the re- the response was huge. And it's, to me, it's not just the number. It's just 
the online chatter that I saw. Yeah. Everybody was losing it and starting to share all the different gifts from this trailer. Everybody was all about this WandaVision trailer. So it made the impression that it needed to. And then just what I was looking for, I get asked a lot, you know, what's my most anticipated Marvel movie, Disney Plus series? And I always give a non-answer of saying they're all tied for most anticipated. But for most intriguing, it's WandaVision on the Disney Plus side and Eternals. Bummer. More on that later. Um, Eternals on the movie side. And with WandaVision, as soon as they talked about this premise, when Kevin Feige talked about it, when uh, Elizabeth Olsen talked about it, Paul Bettany, and just talking about how crazy this show was and this whole idea of, of mixing classic sitcom with the MCU as we know it to create something that's so different from anything that we've ever seen. That was intriguing to me, and I just couldn't wait to know more. But I also want there to be a lot of mystery. And I think that's the best yeah. part about this trailer is I think as you and I get into it, we will touch on some things that we think may be going on here, think may happen. But I also feel like there are so many potential red herrings in this to draw our attention in one like in one direction for a very specific reason. And then Marvel may come in and do something completely different and defy all of our expectations. And, and by the way, there's nothing I would love more than to be total as long as the series is still good, than to be yes. totally wrong about what I think is going on in the series, because I, I honestly don't really want to figure it out. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. And that's the thing that's so crazy. I mean, I know with YouTube channels and, and our job, at least for us as our passions for these characters, Sean, is, is to break this down and, and definitely speculate. But people I feel are, are going way too deep and are trying to like almost ruin the surprise because the whole premise, uh, you know, again, if it wasn't like if it, a little more straight ahead, like a Falcon Winter Soldier series, I could understand trying to unwrap a little bit more and like kind of break down different things. But I think with this, it's like this is such a unique thing that the whole it's a it's a mystery show. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is the big feeling I got from this is I don't I don't want to say Twin Peaks. That's not really what I'm trying to say. But mm. what I'm trying to get at is there's a feeling of of, 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 a, of eeriness. There is a, um, and, I, and of course that's obvious, but like there's an ongoing narrative story mystery like yeah. Twin Peaks where you're, you're trying to unwrap what exactly is going on. And if that is the basis of the show and it, it embraces that weird side of the Marvel universe that I think that I'll, I'll give you a Marvel. What if, cause I'll mix your vibe with my okay, vibe. Go, go for it. Go what for if it, Twin Peaks it. was set inside the Truman show? Oh man, oh, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. There's, I mean, when we, as we get into breaking it down, I'll, I'll talk and, and other people have landed of course on the Truman show thing as well. So it's not like I'm the only one who had that thought, but sure. You know, there was one specific shot when, Monica Rambo, played by Tiana Paris, when she gets shot out of whatever this reality is, I was like, oh, so it's Truman Show, but not with like an actual physical bubble. Um, you know, it's this other barrier that, yeah. that's in there. But I was definitely getting some Truman Show vibes. But I, I can see I did not immediately think Twin Peaks. But as you're saying that, I'm like, OK, that's where that's where the slightly off kilter nature of this definitely comes yes. into play. And and so and with that, if you take the idea of Twin Peaks, the off like everything about the world is off, and there's definitely people that are the audience, like in Twin Peaks. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying there's these are very similar, but you get Sean, you get what I'm trying to say totally. here. So, what if you combine that with, let's say, this is not a totally fair comparison, but just bear with me. Lost, 
where it's an mm. ongoing, you keep on, you keep taking back layers of the mystery as you go. It's not completely done. I mean, again, it's not going to be like lost cause lost is like, you know, a million episodes, but again, <laughs> right. the idea of peeling back the layers though, of the mystery as you go, kind of like a twin peaks, but lost a lot did a good job when it, when it did, uh, was peeling back the mystery slowly. So you can kind of, you kind of see what's where it's going, but not really, but that's what kept you coming back was what new thing are we going to learn this week of the mystery? And I think that to me is what I, at least that's the feeling that I get when I watch the trailer. And if that's what we're going to get, I am freaking, I mean, wow. I can't wait for this thing. I mean, I can't wait for it now, but if that's what we're going to get and it's going to be really heavy on the mystery side, which I think would be really cool. Um, you know, uh, yeah. And that's what I got because you have, you know, Monica Rambo, aka you know, somewhat one point Captain Marvel, Spectrum, Proton, whatever name you want to pick for her, right. uh, she's in this. I love the fact that she plays a part in this. You know, again, you could add her to the mystery. There's a lot. There's so much to speculate on this. There's one major thing. We'll, I'll, I'm going to save to the end for when we go because I'm I'm very curious where you, where you think on the show, but I, we'll break other things down first. But yeah, I think that if this, my feeling is, is that there's. It definitely feels like this, it's heavy mystery and, if, mm. and it's going to be peeling back the layers. And if that's the case, we're in for something special because I think for comic fans like us, we're going to be kind of already kind of in, you know, in tune with it. And that's the one thing I do worry about is the fact that if it is going to be peeling back the mystery, then all the people on YouTube will be like, this is where it's headed, blah, 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 you know, yeah. and, and everything. And, and it, but at the same time, if they're able to even fool us now, keep that in mind. That's, I think it's a big deal right now. If they're able to fool us, Sean, us comic book people, and somehow kind of twist things around and make us think they're going one way, like, oh, they're going this way, and then all of a sudden go, bam! They go, you know, actually, remember this part in, you know, Scarlet Witch's life, whatever? And then they hit it with hit us with that, then we're like, wait a minute. It's right. possible, because Wanda has so much going on in the comics that you could literally do that anytime. So I... I'm very, the, the feeling of the trailer is heavy mystery. And if that's what it is, then like, I think we're in for something truly special. Yeah. And I mean, I think as far as speculation goes, one important distinction for us is we try to keep our speculation just based on the stuff that is like officially released. Paul and I do our best to avoid the spoilery set stuff, you know, set photo stuff and everything that's out there. It's not the kind of thing that we seek out. And I know depending on, you know, what videos you're watching. And it's not to throw shade on anybody. Everybody does what they got to do based on, you know, how they want to go about uh, making their content and breaking things down for their audience. So, you know, for us, it's re we really try to avoid more of the spoilery stuff. And that's probably something that when I watch the show, I mean, we'll be talking about it each episode, but I probably won't try. I, I yeah. certainly won't be watching anyone else's speculation based off of each episode because I don't really want anybody to accidentally spoil it for me. It's bad enough if I accidentally spoil it for myself with the speculation. But I mean, of course, a certain amount of speculating is only natural. It's part of what we do and here. Fun. So, yeah, and it is part of the fun. So and then maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. And as I said, I don't care if I'm never right about WandaVision because I'm exactly. happy to be fooled by whatever mm -hmm. Marvel Studios is doing here. And I think that's part of why I liked this trailer is it really threw a wrench into some of the things that I think we had previously suspected about the series, because you think about just the comic books, who can alternate reality? Well, that's Wanda. And so when you think about how can this sitcom reality exist, 
it has to be a product of Wanda. That's just where it would come from. And it is. I believe that it is. I believe that's still true. But I also think the idea that she is fully in control of it or that vision is entirely created by her, that may still be true. But I think there are big questions created by this trailer. I mean, one of the things that I, I've speculated about or we've speculated about before was the idea that even if Wanda vision, even if Wanda is the engine that's kind of creating and powering this alternate reality, doesn't mean she's the one at the wheel. It doesn't mean that she's the one who's fully in control of it. We see that she has some control. She is able to manipulate reality. She is able to manipulate her environment. When she decides that she and Vision want to blend in, she goes ahead and she changes Vision's face to go from synthesoid to looking more human, like when we saw him in, in Scotland in Avengers Infinity War. So we see that she's able to manipulate things within, within this, but she's not fully in control because when the question comes up of, you know, where did they come from? Basically, their their history, how long they've been married. Neither Vision or Wanda can answer that question, and it bothers both of them. And if Wanda is fully in control here, then she knows all the answers. She doesn't necessarily know how she got there. And I think that is where what's interesting is maybe, I don't know if she started it and then somebody took control while she was there, or if somebody already has her and is manipulating her. Because we see that there is an outside of this bubble and there is some camp around it with these agents and they're able to go in and out of it because Monica Rambo, this is a grown-up Monica Rambo. This is not Monica Rambo from the past. This is a present-day Monica Rambo who was in this world wearing 1970s clothing and she's cast out. And the way the trailer is cut, it makes it look like she's seeing the agents who are pulling up, but I think some other people have pointed out like Darcy Lewis is in that shot and maybe Monica Rambo is also in that shot where we see all the agents. So that cut isn't exactly what it's, you know, it, what it might seem in the trailer. But either way, the point being that I, I think Monica Rambo is working with this agency and this agency is probably S.W.O.R.D. Sentient World Observation and Response Department because we've been speculating about S.W.O.R.D. coming into the MCU for a while now. And I think that's what's going on here. I don't think this is just some, you know, regular old run of the mill suited agency. I, I think Marvel is going to is obviously coming up with plans for this stuff. And we'll talk about more with the Nick Fury series later on in the show. But I think it's whatever that group is, they have something to do with this. They're playing a part in it and they're able to jump into this reality with Wanda. And so that could suggest that maybe they're the ones in control here or maybe it's Catherine Hahn's character. I mean, I, it's really hard to say where all of this is going. But even another thing is the assumption that Vision is dead and this is entirely fake. That might be true, but then again, it might not be because what we see Vision doing here in the trailer that that, that makes me rethink that and, and kind of doubt that Vision is just purely dead and this is all a figment of Wanda's imagination is the way that Vision is going off on his own and he's responding to things on his own. Wanda is nowhere near Vision when he's just walking around the neighborhood during the trick-or-treating or whatever. Like, I know it's probably the same Halloween event where, where Vision is wearing his classic costume as Wanda is wearing hers when we see her inside the house. So I'm sure it's that same night, but Vision seems to have his own agency here. He's having his own thoughts. He's going off and investigating things on his own. We see him floating up over the town, and then he comes down to this car where we see Catherine Hahn's character, 
And so Vision is doing his own thing. And I know that he still has, it looks like he still has the Mind Stone in his head, which would suggest that, you know, this can't be real because Vision, well, I mean, we know that this entire reality is not real, but Vision has to be completely fake just because the Mind Stone is there. And we know the Mind Stone was shattered in Avengers Infinity War. I don't necessarily know that that's true. I mean, a new Mind Stone mm-hmm. could have been synthesized either by Wanda because she had her powers came from the Mind Stone that, of course, was powering Vision. Or maybe it's something that Shuri has done when she was saving her work in Avengers Infinity War. I mean, we don't really know what's going on there. But, you know, this idea that Vision is totally dead and gone forever and and he even he is not real in this environment. I don't know that that's true. I mean, it might be. But there's plenty of reason to doubt that. I think there was already reason to doubt that, but even more so after seeing this trailer. Man, there's so much to unpack. Uh, so here's here's my take with especially with the scene where uh, is Catherine Hahn is that is that who it is with with who's uh, when Vision goes up to her in the car? Yeah, yeah, and okay. I, I think you know the the trailer calls her Agnes, um, but I I think that's just. That's probably her name in the sitcom reality. But, you know, Paul, we've talked about this before and and we're not the only ones. And I guess sort of spoiler warning for saying this, but I don't really think it's that much of a spoiler because I feel like you still even knowing the name of this character doesn't tell you much because it's not a character who's been in the MCU before. So it's not a surprise reveal of somebody coming back. And at the same time, we just because we, you know, the name of this character doesn't doesn't mean you'll know exactly what role she's playing. It would seem, and and plus the speculation on this is just everywhere. We're far from the only ones talking about this. We've talked about it before, too. Yeah, I mean, it's Agatha Harkness is, mm-hmm. I mean, well, a- as soon as Kevin Feige introduced Catherine Hahn as the nosy neighbor at D23, I was already like, I-, I wouldn't say my mind immediately went to Agatha Harkness, but I'm like, you don't cast Catherine Hahn to play an unnamed character. You're just not naming her for us now. <laughs> so, like, I was mm-hmm. already, you know, on the trail of, you know, thinking that there was going to be a lot more to her character than than Kevin Feige was letting on back at D23 Expo. But yeah, I it would seem that she is Agatha Harkness by all accounts. So, Paul, what were you thinking when you're you were seeing that scene between her and Vision? Well, between her and Vision, I, I think that the reason why I think Vision is actually he he's living in some form or another. I, I definitely it's obviously Wanda because they keep his body and and it's gray for a reason. And again, I think there's going to be something to that effect of going the old school Avengers West Coast uh, or whatever era of vision that that was first put in. I have I have discovered it in Avengers West Coast when John Byrne came in uh, and, and wrote the series and made want to go crazy like the second time. Uh, so. I think that there's definitely something going on with Wanda and she's the one or as far as she's the one making vision operate and the fact that he's still he's still conscious enough to know like he's acting like himself and i think that might be where the drama which is really exciting the fact that vision will know that he's supposed to be dead like that scene that they kind of show you that she says you know well you're dead and he's like huh and he just kind of is like wait and so and just the way they're setting it up it seems like vision's going to be kind of caught in the middle of everything like i'm not exactly uh, in the right place and it's something's not right. And again, I have, by the way, just for the record, if you didn't know, and Sean, you probably already know this, but I am not, I just never liked and will, will not, I'm a traditionalist. 
Wanda's a mutant and should be a mutant. And I don't like the fact that she's got her powers from the stone, all that stuff. And I'm really, really hoping there's some massive retcons coming up because especially see, with Agatha It wouldn't Agatha even Harkins, be that much. See, but it wouldn't even be that much of a retcon. I agree, yes. Because mm -hmm. they experimented on a bunch of people with the mm -hmm. Mind Stone in Age of Ultron. They define it that way, and I think they talk about it maybe a little bit in the mid credit scene for Winter Soldier, but they 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 say it plainly. like They tested on many people. These were the only mm -hmm. two who survived, Wanda and Pietro. So mm -hmm. perhaps it was mutant powers and mutant abilities that allowed them to survive. And also, here's another thing to think about. Her power level might have been enhanced by the stone, but not created by the stone. Correct. And yeah. and that's what I and that's where I think they could go with. And now this is where I think my own speculation. And I'm curious. There's a lot of different reasons I think Scarlet Witch could be huge for the MCU going forward. And this could be a way of bringing the mutants in because everyone's talking about House of M, right? Well, House of M doesn't make sense because you need Magneto. You need, you know what I mean? You need to have that backstory. So and I know there's a lot of Magneto, um, you know, speculation going on, but hear me out, Sean. What if in this series, something happens? It's not no more mutants, but right. it's the opposite. What if she, it's the opposite. Yeah. And that is, and what if she essentially wills into being mutant kind or, or something like that? Like, I, I don't know. I, that doesn't make as much sense to me, but what if she were the one to kind of like break that out, like, or at least break that barrier and create that, that, and again, you bring in that you not retcon, but you bring in that continuity piece in this, in the yeah. MCU that, that would be mind blowing, especially considering, you know, everything going on. So I think there's a there's so much writing on this as far as what you could what you could do, and I don't even think it has to be the focus or, or a major piece. That if if I'm being clear on that, like it doesn't have to be. It can just be like like a like almost like a post credit scene, like whatever ramifications of this is not only going to happen in, in the multitude of madness, or if, as far as we know, we're assuming it's tied to that series or to that sh to that uh, movie directly, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's its own series, one and done, and has a little kind of hints towards mutants coming, but not. But it, it doesn't directly go into Doctor Strange, especially with COVID. I'm actually uh, before I thought it you know it'd be a direct you know or a direct kind of thing into Doctor Strange, but now with everything being delayed. It actually yeah. makes more sense it, that it's not. It's its own thing. So there's a lot of different ways to take it at the very end. Well, I think it's not just speculation or assumption that drives the connection. I mean, Kevin Feige has just plainly said on multiple occasions that WandaVision ties into that. What happens in WandaVision sets Wanda up for what she's going to be doing in Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. So there is definitely going to be a connection. And I don't think the delays are going to make them change that, partly because Whatever they were doing in WandaVision was already set. Could they be making changes to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because they had so many extra months to prep and, and write the movie and rewrite the movie? I'm sure they made some changes, and of course, but I think yeah. that's really more bringing it in line with Sam Raimi's vision as opposed to you know really completely changing its its overall place in yeah. the MCU arc and what other stories are 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 going into it. So I still think WandaVision will connect directly to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but it might be specific to Wanda and it might not necessarily be 
any plot threads that need to be resolved from one yeah, that's what into I mean. yeah. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Right. But I think the House of M stuff, and I know people, of course, like went into the wine bottle that in French is French for a house of contempt, but then there's also an M on the wine bottle. And so people are saying it's House of M, it's House of M. And that may be nothing more than an Easter egg that just refers yeah. to the comic book. It's not necessarily a plot hint. It might be, but it's not a given. And also, whatever you get with House of M, as you mentioned, Paul, there are so many pieces from House of M that are just not on the table in the MCU. So yeah. the level at which House of M can really influence this story, it's fairly minimal. And we already know that Marvel Studios, they don't do these things like for like. I mean, Infinity War and Endgame, are they influenced by Infinity Gauntlet? Yes. Are they Infinity Gauntlet? Absolutely not. No. So no. you're always getting the MCU version of something. And I, I think you should expect with WandaVision, if it's at all an adaptation of House of M, it's not going to be a, a very strong one because it, it, it just can't. It can't be that based on the pieces that are available. And so I think what you're really looking at here is just what can Wanda do and, and what does House of M help define? Well, it's her ability to manipulate reality and it's her ability to change reality on a dime. And that's something that's happening here in WandaVision. So it's just an acknowledgement of that, I, I think, with Wanda Maximoff in this story. And I do think she's powering it. But as I said, I also think there are other things going on here. I mean, we talk yeah. about Vision and Vision's body. Well, last time we saw it, it was in Wakanda after the end of Infinity War. We don't know what happened to it since then. We don't know if it was locked up in Wakanda and it was secure. Or is this going to be an instance like Loki's scepter where the Avengers had it at the end of that story, but then Hydra ends up getting it? I mean, who knows? And, and that's where I think vision when we talk about the idea of vision not being entirely a figment of wanda's imagination where i doubt that is just like when vision's off doing his own thing like is wanda imagining all of that is she imagining all of vision's story even when he's not around her i suppose she could but it wouldn't surprise me honestly if we get a shot at one point in this story where we find out like there's the bubble and inside that bubble, like not the fake part of it, the sitcom-y part of it, but when we see like the real part of it, of what's going on there, that it's Wanda laid out on one table, all hooked with a bunch of stuff like hooked up to her head, and then also Vision's body. And both of them are inserted into this reality. Like that wouldn't act, Wanda is the one powering it. She's the engine that, that create, that allows that alternate reality to exist in the first place, but she's not fully in control of it. And so even... That, that's what makes me wonder if if maybe Vision being there isn't totally imagined on Wanda's part and he's been inserted into it, not unlike, uh, not entirely unlike Monica Rambeau being able to walk in and out of that reality. We know that things can be, or people can be inserted into it. It's not Wanda just building all of it herself. And so, yeah. but that's what I love about this is is that it casts so much doubt for everything where it seems like, well, it might be this, it might be this. There's plenty of reasons to doubt why that's why it is and, and think it could be something else, which is the perfect place to be in for WandaVision, I, I think anyway. Like, I, I like that I can't figure this out. I really love that. Yes. Because mm -hmm. if I already have it figured out, why do I need to watch it? So 
Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I mean, of course, eventually you want to you want it to be good even outside of the mystery because then it's valuable to you when when you try to rewatch it. But I think this trailer was was great in so many ways, and and it, it really is intriguing. I mean, and I guess when we throw out the name Agatha Harkness, we should explain who that is uh, for anybody who maybe doesn't know. And it's totally okay, by the way, if if you don't know. So with, yeah. with Agatha Harkness. And that's why I don't really consider it much of a spoiler to talk about her being in the show, because for most people, they're not going to really have a frame of reference for that character. And me just saying the name doesn't give anything away. So Agatha Harkness in the comic books, like goes all the way back to, I mean, she's basically immortal, although she does die too, comes back, but it's comics, all that stuff. But she goes, she dates all the way back to at least the Salem witch trials and she is somebody who really kind of mentored Wanda and, and helped Wanda shape her her hex powers, her chaos magic, whatever you call whatever you would want to call it. Agatha really played a part in, in helping Wanda with that. And sometimes Agatha has found herself being like the antagonist in a story. But just as often, if not more often, and at least in the stories I've read, she's more of an ally to Wanda. I don't know what her role is in this story. I mean, she seems kind of evil when she's cackling at Vision, but I don't know that we can just automatically assume that because uh, we talk about misdirection in this trailer, so maybe that's a misdirect as well. We know she's around, right? We know that she's around Mm -hmm. in the black and white 1950s Dick Van Dyke era sitcom. She's back again in the 80s with like her aerobics outfit and leg warmers and the whole deal. And so we see and then we see her more modern day in her witch costume, just frozen in the car. So there's clearly something going on with this character. And but why is she there? Is she there because she wants something from Wanda and and Agatha actually has ill intent? Or is she there maybe because she knows that Wanda is being manipulated and she's trying to help her? And maybe if we're talking about retconning, we'll find out that Wanda actually knows Agatha. And maybe can't remember hmm. her. You know, if we're talking about like there's we we don't know that much about Wanda's past. We got a little bit of backstory in Avengers Age of Ultron, but there are plenty of gaps in that story. If Marvel wants to fill things in, whether that's any sort of of her being a mutant or finding out that she maybe did know Agatha back in Sokovia, like there, there are a lot of different things that could that could factor in. But for Agatha Harkness, I mean, this is a character who could easily be an ally to Wanda, but may also end up being an antagonist. But she is just this immortal witch. And, and I don't know that that's her deal in the MCU. We, this may just be the MCU version of it, and it may not be the same as the comic books. But that's that's just the basic Agatha Harkness 101. But I don't know if you had any other specific thoughts on what's going on with that character, Paul. Well, there's a couple things, actually, because I don't know if... Catherine Hahn is necessarily I, I definitely Agnes is obviously a it's either a red herring completely yeah. a purposeful red herring meaning like even for the show it's like you were made, were made to think that she's something but maybe she's not but the, but or she is Agnes you know Agatha Hart Hart whatever her name well, is yeah, Agatha. I mean, it's, it's the first syllable of Agatha's first name and the last syllable of Agatha of Agatha's last name right so here here's my thing where if this is the case, then she should be a lot older, right? What if, and, and I had to look up her name. I just know her as the, that 70 show mom, but what if 
Agatha is actually just that's her personifying her personifying herself as a younger person in this thing, but she's actually because she has to be older in my opinion, right? If if she again, doesn't, if they're though, going, that, that's just the way she's been drawn in the comic books. But if somebody is alive since the Salem witch trials, they don't have to look old. Like clearly, they don't. They're not really aging. Yeah, but I just. I get I, I listen if she would if that if she was Agatha, I would not be no, oh, I can't believe she has to be old looking. I'm not going to go that far. But I mean, I got news I, for you. Deborah Joe Rupp from that 70s show also doesn't look like Agatha Harkness from the comic book. She's even older but, than no, that. She doesn't. Right. But, but guess what I'm saying is, is that it's, it's not the specific look. It's just the fact that the old the older mentor kind of figure. And I think having that it just would be more believable, I guess. Or, and again, a red herring a little bit because what I thought was interesting was, you know, in that, in that trailer, I saw her and the way she was interacting and everything just, I don't know. It just was, it was, it was just interesting to me. I think there's more, again, there's, this is where the mystery is involved. Like where exactly it, it, again, cause we all know too, it's not like they're going to do things like for like, like you said to Sean about anything. So Agatha could be just a brand new, you know, a younger, or younger looking character. And the fact that she just met Wanda then, or just, just started right. Wanda right then, whatever. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it has to be one way or the other, but I'm just, I think part of the mystery could be, um, with the reality shaping powers that could all play in, you know, it's obviously going to play a part in it. I think, and I would not be surprised if that wasn't really what Agatha was going to look like in the end, because, because of that, the fact that the reality, I mean, look at vision himself, right? Because if he is, we all lost him as a gray dead robot. Now he's an actual living person. There's something going on with it. And the fact that they're going back in time and, and all that. And one thing I ha- I really want to get to, and I think that we that's really important is with any good story, you have to have an emotional backbone of, mm-hmm. of the story, right? Like there has to be what's the emotional weight that makes this story worthwhile. We all love superhero films and everything, but what exactly is the, you know, the, I don't want to say human condition, whatever, but like the human element of uh, of the idea of, of what makes a story worth telling. And I think the what I really liked about it and that I, I wasn't necessarily prepared for. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, Sean. I don't know, but is the fact that this show's going to deal a lot with grief mm-hmm. and, and I just wasn't I, for whatever reason that seemed, that seems so obvious, but it didn't really hit me that they're really good. It really seems they're going in for a real emotional, like kick in the butt because when they were, when they were going through, you know, showing us these scenes and, you have that scene where you have the the ma or uh, you know the lady from that '70s show Dunlap, whatever her name is. Again, I don't know names. I just know Deborah Joe names. Rupp. Th- 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 thank you. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, she's asking, well, "What are you doing? You know, you, you know, you haven't. Why don't you have any kids or mm-hmm. or whatever?" And all these different things, and and the fact that all of a sudden you see Wanda's emotional well being kind of go back and forth already, and just kind of she seems like she's just not. She's she's burying everything around her. Already, that's it's even though I know it's what like the character does in the comics to an extent, like it was really crazy to see it on screen and see it even played out with the fact that like with with vision, you know, not knowing he was dead and just seeing his kind of, you know, the, the scene where he's like in his regular costume from the comic books for Halloween you know, there's something that seems off, Like he is like, he knows something's not right. And 
just something about this just seems like it's gonna be such a heavily uh themed of, about dealing with grief mm. that i'm just i'm there's something really i think uh powerful about that and i th- i'm not sure if you got that from the trailer but yeah that was something that really i took away from that like man they're they're not they're not steering away from this they're going head head in with the ideas of this is a, a really kind of an important story to talk about because there's one thing we all can you know deal with is, is grief yeah you saw avengers endgame right so you know Marvel well, told a big story that's all about grief. Well, no, 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 no. But this is a lot more, I would say, relatable in a sense to where it's a little more. Yeah, I would say it's more, more relatable. relatable I don't think. know. It's definitely a different. It could potentially be a different version of of exploring that. But I think that this is where I'm not. I'm not entirely sold that this is about Wanda processing the loss of Vision. That could be part of it, but this is where when we get into the House of M territory and and a lot of this is you know. Wanda not being able to deal with the idea that her kids weren't real, but then they were, whatever. Um, going through, just you know, skipping how nutty a lot of that stuff was in the comic books, one of my criticisms of Wanda in the comics in general is that there's just this idea that she can't deal with or cope with anything. And so whenever something happens, she just completely loses it. And it, it's not to say that people can't do that as part of their grieving process, but I also feel like I feel like that can be part of it, but I also think there's more than that in this story with WandaVision because I think that the version of Wanda Maximoff that we've been shown in the MCU, I've often found to be a better, more well-rounded character than what we've seen in the comic books. And I feel like there's something else at play here because I, it feels like going back to that scene specifically with Deborah Jo Rupp and then Fred Malamed as they're having like the sitcom dinner, right? It's, it's just dinner with the neighbors and they're talking about the things that neighbors talk about in sitcom dinners, how long you've been married, having kids, all that stuff. And everything's all happy until there's this dinner. And it's all this cheerful thing. Like Wanda's having fun. She's, you know, using her hex powers to pour wine and, and set the table and all of that stuff is, is going on and it's all great. But then Fred Melamed asked the question, and they can't answer it. But what's also weird about it is why does Fred Melamed freak out like when they can't answer the question and start pounding on the table? And I feel like there is something that's already happened here. And this is part of why I think, you know, clearly there are other forces in play here. This is not just Wanda creating this and perpetuating this reality is it feels like some people are trying to extract information. And like this is kind of the beginning of that interrogation tactic is trying to trigger memories in Wanda But of course, there are certain memories they can't trigger because she doesn't have them. And I feel like that's where some of this is, you know, I think some of this is obviously her dealing with with her grief over the loss of vision. But I also think that there's a lot more that's going on here. And I ultimately think that we are going to see Wanda Maximoff one way or another. I mean, in general, I think she's been stronger in the MCU than she has been in the comic books. And that's emotionally stronger. That's not just talking about her power level. But I think that will also ring true in what we see of this character in WandaVision. Like there will be some I do think, you know, suffering the loss of vision is going to be part of it. But I also think there's a lot more at play here. So I'm not dismissing grief as a theme. I think it could definitely be there. But I also think this is going to be about even more than that. And that's why, you know, that's part of what makes it so fascinating to me is, you know, week to week, we could be talking about different themes that are being explored in this series Um, And they have the opportunity to do that as they go from one reality to the next 
across these different sitcoms. I really don't know what's going on here. And then just circling back to Agatha Harkness real quick. I mean, we may see like, I mean, I don't know if Catherine Hahn is supposed to go on in the MCU or we'll see her change form at the end of WandaVision and then she'll be gone forever. I don't really know. But one other thing that that I thought about is even if she doesn't have a relationship with Wanda mm-hmm. um, where she's been mentoring Wanda, what if she's known about Wanda for a long time? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what if she's kind of been tracking and watching Wanda's moves? I mean, it, it just wouldn't surprise me if maybe the reason Agatha is here is to help protect Wanda. Um, not to say that Wanda always needs protection, but to maybe help Wanda realize something about herself that she doesn't uh, that she doesn't already know, because there is so much mystery in how she was created or or how she got these powers and, and why she and her brother survived. Maybe there will be maybe more of that will play into it, whether that's a mutant thing or just something else with Agatha Harkness uh, that she can uh, suggest to Wanda. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot going on here. And I, I think this is going to be a very rich, very powerful emotional story that can explore all different kinds of themes and and even kind of getting into that whole thing of, you know, what is reality in the first place and, and what is happiness? I mean, which is almost kind of inception-y, but I, I think there's there's just going to be so many different elements in play here and so many different themes that could potentially be explored. And I'm just here for all of it. And, and I think that's yeah. probably my, my favorite thing of coming away with this trailer is I see a lot of really interesting ideas. All of them could be so fascinating if, when if slash when Marvel Studios explores them in this series. And I just can't wait for it. I can't wait to see how this unfolds. But mm-hmm. I'm also at a point where you gave me this trailer. Awesome. You don't need to show me anything else. I mean, I, I know they'll probably do another trailer before they drop the show on Disney Plus. Like when they announce the actual premiere date, there will probably be another trailer and I'll watch it and we'll talk about it on the show. But I also feel like this is the kind of thing where it's like, I've seen a, I've seen enough. Just mm-hmm. show me this series. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I Well, even with The Mandalorian, I mean, that comes out, what, in like a month? And they've only gotten one trailer, and we yeah. may get one more. But to be honest, I don't know if they need to really show us that yeah. much. And I, they may not. They may just kind of just throw a couple they table could, scraps. Yeah, I mean, they could just do like a, a short little TV spot thing and announce exactly. the date. But mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if they go with a longer trailer. And and it's OK, like because I feel like there's enough mystery here that they could show us two more minutes of footage and we'd still mm-hmm. not know what the hell's going on. That's so true. I, I think they're safe to show us another trailer. Um, but I think that's also one of the, the beautiful things about streaming compared to, you know, movies. Yes, I, I love movies, everybody. But in terms and this is where something where maybe movies could take a, a couple of their cues from streaming is marketing like we don't get nearly as many trailers for streaming stuff as we often do with movies uh we don't normally see nearly as much footage which is kind of weird when you consider there's so many more hours of footage for a streaming series than there are for a movie but we actually <laughs> end up seeing less for streaming so i'm looking forward to not seeing very much of wandavision until we get a chance to to see the show which thankfully is going to be this year and it's a really good thing that WandaVision, at, at least one episode, is going to premiere in 2020. We don't know exactly when, so we don't know how many episodes we'll get. But we're at least getting something from WandaVision in 2020, which we really need because now, mm-hmm. if not for WandaVision, we would be going the entire 2020 calendar year without a new MCU story, something that hasn't happened since 2009, since the year after Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk came out. But ever since Iron Man 2 in 2010, we've had at least one MCU movie or now story with streaming coming into it every single year. And that streak would be snapped if not for WandaVision. 
because we have delays. One thing that Marvel Studios confirmed and that Disney Plus has confirmed just via the Falcon and Winter Soldier landing page is that the series will not premiere until next year in 2021, which is no surprise. They are they have resumed production, but they still have a, a fair amount to go on that in order to finish uh, principal photography. So no surprise that Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, has been moved into next year. But we also had another shift for Marvel Studios release dates. Now, so far, release dates have only changed in 2021 for three films. So for Black Widow, which the most recent release date, it was November 6th. It's now been pushed all the way to May 7th of next year. And that, of course, that release date most recently before Black Widow took it belonged to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That film has moved to July 9th. And then we go with Eternals, which was originally going to come out November 6th of this year, got moved to February 12th of next year, and now has been moved all the way to November 5th of next year. So Eternals is delayed almost entirely, almost a full year from its original release date, like Black Widow, which moved from May, which was a little more than a year from May 1st of this year to May 7th of next year. So it's not that surprising. I mean, we talked about it on a Patreon credit scene last week. We knew Disney's options at this point. It was either delay the movie or do a premiere access thing like they did with Mulan. And I'll admit it, I was wrong about that. Mark Hughes came on the show. And we were talking about it after Mulan went to premiere access on Disney+. Plus. I thought that Disney would try something like that with Black Widow, and they still might. Let's see what happens with theaters by the time the next May rolls around. But clearly, Disney isn't ready to give up on theaters yet, and they want to keep Marvel in theaters, which I totally understand. And so now the movie has been delayed. I think the one that hurts the most, because Shang-Chi, I mean, it was it's been delayed about in total about five months from its original release release date, because it was February 12th of next year then moved to May, then moved to July. So Shang-Chi, not that far back from where it originally was. The one that I'm really missing the most right now is Eternals, because going back to what I said when we were talking about WandaVision, most intriguing Disney Plus series for me, WandaVision. Most intriguing film, Eternals, because it's a brand new franchise. I mean, Shang-Chi is as well, but Eternals, you have this cast and Chloe Jaw, who I've talked about as, I, as I've been saying, she is, I think, the most exciting direct, director hire that Marvel Studios has made since Ryan Coogler and, of course, her latest film, Nomadland, which I, I haven't seen, but it's been blowing up on the festival circuit. It's a huge Best Picture contender at this point. And so this is someone who an incredibly talented filmmaker who Marvel Studios has had, you know, come in and direct this movie and this brand new concept that has so much blank canvas to it for her to be able to fill in. And it's just really I mean, I understand all of the reasons for this. And none of these things, delays to movies, of course, are not are just so far from the biggest problems going on right now. So I'm not trying to conflate any of that. And all of this is through the perspective and lens of just within the confines of Marvel fandom. It really is disappointing to see these movies being delayed. You can understand all the reasons why and all the reasons that it makes total business sense for Disney to do these types of things. But there is also the part of this where you go, I have to wait a lot longer to see these things I was excited to see. And that part kind of sucks. Yeah, this is wasn't surprising. And we talked a lot about this before and speculated. And listen, I, I want I want to see this in the theater. 
And I, I, I think it, it's obvious that no matter what, they're going to have digital sales on anything movie-related movie or whatever for these Marvel films. It makes sense to, you know, as much money as they spent on this movie that they need to get their investment back. And if they have to wait for it, 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 we, it all makes it, it makes sense. And I think, you know, as theaters are slowly, slowly, slowly starting to reopen, it's, you know, again, I, I think this is probably the safest bet. It's a, it's a bit it's probably the biggest bummer that we have to wait even longer because I, re- I really thought November would be in there but it's just not I mean other places it's, it's gonna be it'd be available but not everywhere enough to for them to obviously justify opening or releasing the movie so it's it's unfortunate it sucks but I think I'm pretty sure may we should be good to go who knows I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I mean, I keep thinking it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to work. And then I'm like, oh, it's not well, going to work. Well, that's the thing, right? It, that's part of where this doesn't really right. instill confidence in me of of having that feeling of, okay, there's another delay, but at least we can count on May 7th, right? It should right. be okay. A lot of us thought it should be okay back when they moved it from May to November because we thought they moved it back six months. They didn't move it from May to July like some people did keep it or even Disney did with Mulan still having this idea before they took it off of theaters and put it on Disney Plus. Originally, they just moved it back to the summer. And like uh, when Warner moved Wonder Woman 84 from June to August, we're like, I don't know about that. And then they moved it from August to October. And it's like, well, maybe, but of course not. And they have Wonder Woman 84 slated for Christmas, probably not going to come out on Christmas Day. At least I don't think so. So when you have these movies now and they're so far out, yes, that should be safe. But we've thought that we've used that word should before and it hasn't worked out. And, And so I can't really, the way I look at all of these release dates at this point, is every single movie's release date until they're telling you, yes, it's in theaters like today or they'll at least let you buy tickets for it. And even then that wasn't always guaranteed. Every movie's release date is TBD. That's what it re- that's the reality, I-, I think, right now. And that's not to say that, you know, things won't be better by the middle of 2021. But I, I think Disney moving these back because. I-, I think what a lot of people speculated about was the idea that if Black Widow was going to be delayed, Disney would just do a backslide by one Marvel release date. So they would move Black Widow to February and just slide everything back one because that was where Eternals was most recently, February 12, 2021. So they slide Black Widow from November to February, but they didn't do that. They went even they went even further with it. And I think what that tells you what I think what that tells you is Disney is being realistic in this and saying that they don't expect theaters to be viable again until there's a vaccine. And if you look at what the CDC is saying right now, they think there could be a vaccine within the second quarter or maybe third quarter of 2021, which would mean any time between April and September. And I think that's why Disney is moving Black Widow to May in hopes that there will be a vaccine widely available by maybe late Q1, early Q2, So everybody's ready to go for Black Widow. If there's no vaccine by next April, then Disney is probably going to move this film again. We're probably going to see another set of delays. Now, maybe the delays won't be as extreme relative to these new release dates as we've seen from some of the other delays, and maybe it won't be 
pushing things by six months all over again. It probably won't have to be that, but we might see another delay. And, and if it's not a vaccine, then it's definitely based on the idea of a significant improvement with the situation relative to this pandemic. And I know that in other markets, we're seeing movies come back like China is the, the box office is pretty much all the way back. I mean, not quite, but almost there for China. But our circumstances are just not the same here. And I know that people wonder, well, well, why do you have to wait on the U.S. to be ready? Because this is where studios still make the most money. This is the biggest under normal circumstances, the biggest individual market. And it's the market where studios are keeping the, the largest, the highest percentage of box office revenue. So that's why the domestic market really matters so much and is such a huge business driver and why studios are waiting for it. But I also think there's a, a bit of a catch-22 here, Paul, because mm. you can wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, but how are theaters supposed to stay in business when they don't have yeah. like big movies to play? Yeah, I. here's the thing with, with waiting and is that the Mulan numbers must have been, they must have really made a, a difference for them because I, th I feel that if there was a, if there was any kind of reason for them not to push it off and make money now, and even though if you're losing a couple hundred million, it's better than waiting, like you said, Sean. That that's the that makes the most sense. The problem is we don't know the numbers. Yeah. And you're right. Mulan Black Widow would have blown Mulan out of the water. My brother and I, we talked about it ourselves. We're like we both were like, I'm not paying thirty bucks to watch Mulan on there. You, but we do it for you, Black you, Widow yeah, or Star Wars. Yeah, you sure Wars. would for Black Widow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the problem is, is that that's us. I'm not sure, you know, they, they can't count on that. And obviously the numbers for them made them nervous enough to say yeah. no. And that to me is a telling thing. And that to me is the idea of that's how much they want to wait. And what they're waiting for is, I don't know. Even with the theaters yourselves, themselves, and then you bring up a great point, Sean. They need to innovate. You want to bring people back and bring, do it right, then you need to innovate and make it like we talked about before. Less, way less people in the theater, yeah. spread all apart, and you make your money. The fact that people are going to come and you know they're going to reserve their seats all during the week, not just during the weekend, and that's the one thing they have to think about. Yeah, which makes the most sense anyway. Why don't you maximize the amount of time time you have during the week instead of all in one weekend? So, it, yeah. again, I mean, there's a there's sense. a theater. I can't remember the name of it, but it's I I believe it's in France or whatever. I don't. It's not open yet, but it's a company that's they already made this plan before the pandemic, and now like this is the way to do it. Is I mean, it kind of looks like the Senate on Coruscant and Star Wars. Like it's people having like their own little, it's basically like everybody has their own little balcony seats for their party. And it keeps them very, in, I mean, it's not just about the distancing. It's also about your air filtration, but there's ways to manage that. But the social distancing, it has to be automatic. It has to be something that people can see and they can count on. But as we've seen more, I mean, we've seen consumer surveys, they get reported on by the trades. Like every few weeks, there's another survey. And what we've seen is it just goes down. The, the percentage of people willing to go to the movies right now, it just goes further and further down. It's not going up. And the difference between a movie theater, I get that people want to get out of their house, but there's lots of other activities you can do outside of your house that don't You're involve right. you being a sitting duck for two hours. And so that's where I, I think for other people, and 
a point I've been making for the past six months is the idea that what the way we feel about things and the way that we love theater so much is not the way that everybody else feels. And so when we talk about what people miss most during the pandemic that they're not doing, it's not movies for everybody. And for a lot of people, going to the movie theater isn't even in their top five. And plus, I mean, we think about things that, you know, as some economies in some places are starting to reopen and people are venturing out again, part of the reason they're not going to the movies is just think about what they've been doing for the last six months. They've been sitting down watching a screen. So they're not going to be that much more excited to go sit down somewhere else and watch a bigger screen. They want to go do something else where they can get out and move. And I think that's something that movies don't really offer as far as what people are kind of itching to do to get out of their house. So I think there are a lot of things in the way of movie theaters being successful right now. And and I do think that movie theaters can make a comeback when people have an opportunity to feel safe. But that doesn't have to be entirely contingent upon the availability of a vaccine. There are other measures that could be taken to make people feel safe you have to address that. And and I think that is part of reconfiguring the theaters, all the things we've talked about them doing for the past six months, and they haven't done anything. They literally have done nothing uh, other than the bare minimum. And even a lot of the things that they have in their policies right now, like even requiring masks was something they got publicly shamed into doing. It wasn't something that they were going to do until the internet yelled at them. So I think that's another huge huge reason why the the terrible leadership of a lot of these theater chains who've really given the public no reason to trust that whatever policies they have are even going to be enforced because we know they didn't want those policies to begin with. And we know that theaters don't want you wearing masks the whole time because they want you shoveling popcorn in your mouth because that's what they they really need you to buy that popcorn because they're not selling enough movie tickets. So there are a lot of problems right now. A lot of those problems are from theaters they've created for themselves or they've refused to do anything to help solve for themselves. This is our part of the reason why it's very hard to have confidence in a lot of this stuff right now is because in, and part of the reason why I'm so frustrated with it is that I feel like there's an opportunity for an industry to innovate, to try and save itself and they're not doing anything. And so they are putting themselves at the greatest risk of not even seeing not even seeing themselves through to the end of this pandemic. So they can be here for us when people are actually ready to go back to theaters. And, you know, they could they could make us ready a lot sooner if they were willing to actually put in some effort. And so far, they're not getting back into uh, into actual specific Marvel news and ending on a high note. uh, We (laughs) found out last week that Samuel L. Jackson will be starring in a Disney Plus series. He will, of course, be Nick Fury. We don't know what the name of the series is. I don't know if it's Nick Fury or if it's going to be something else. But Samuel L. Jackson is attached to star Kyle Bradstreet is going to write and executive produce. He most recently wrote and executive produced on Mr. Robot. So really, it's more we have no specific information. No, we don't know the time in the MCU. We don't know where in the MCU timeline this fits or anything about that. We just know it's Samuel L. Jackson in a Disney Plus series starring as Nick Fury. But that's enough for me, for me to be excited about it. Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, you don't need me to tell you. He's awesome in this role. He's been so great to watch. And the idea of being able to spend several hours with him in a series is something I'm totally excited about. So I I do have preferences, which I'll get into. But just at at the mere mention of a Nick Fury Disney Plus series, I'm in. Yeah, it's it's kind of out of nowhere. And I I think I was uh, I forgot what site I was on or what response. But there's a it said that uh, 
oh, Nick Fury has his own show. And they, they posted a, a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like promo going, yeah, it was, the, he has a supporting cast that's waiting for him. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, no, this is a... I, I don't is, think that's it. If anybody's out there hoping for a continuation of Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't think that's it. No, no, it's not. It's obviously not. But, But, yeah, this is something that... I'm both not surprised and surprised about, and I really do hope that this is not just a Nick Fury kind of just sitting around, you know, whatever. Just I want it to be a real legit like Shield show. Like maybe this could be the Shield show, Sean, that we that I always wanted, which mm. was getting to the nitty gritty of Marvel, the Marvel universe, and actually having Nick Fury as the a, you know the head of shield and having him direct things and finding superheroes and supervillains and all that jazz and who knows maybe we'll actually fight zodiac for real this time um you know there's there's a lot of different stuff that, you know, this could be a whole like episode by itself just this announcement and what this could be and as we get more information that'll happen but just off the cuff really really crazy the fact that we're going to get a shield show but also to be well, or, we don't I know say, that it's shield we just know that it's nick fury well, I'll say this. I, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to be rebuilt and not in the ABC way. And, I, and it's long overdue, a legitimate S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, and maybe S.W.O.R.D. is where they're going to go with. I wouldn't I, be surprised. I think S.W.O.R.D. is the new S.H.I.E.L.D. That's... Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer, to be honest. I'm not really... A, I've never been a big S.W.O.R.D. person. I'm an OG person, Sean. I don't like being <laughs> like, well, this is sword instead of shield it's like just call it shield well, look, and get it over look with. at what nick fury's doing though last last time we saw him far from in home post credit scene he's out in space he's doing sword stuff so i know i know i, mean, I just it's I just that's where he is right now i mean look it, my preference actually is sword and and present day stuff i know you could do his early days of shield you could you could do like you know the 20 years or well not quite 20 years you know the 13 or so years between captain marvel and iron man and you could do all those sorts of things and get into that shield territory with nick fury but i'm i would be excited to see it cuz i'm sure they would find great and worthwhile stories to tell me along you know somewhere along that range in the timeline of course they could and i'm not i'm not dismissing that and saying i i absolutely don't want that and won't accept that I would be I'm sure they would find great stories to tell. But right now we're in this phase where we only have the mere mention of a series and we have no details on it. So we can just dream about whatever we want. And I lean toward present day because I want to see what's going on. Like Nick Fury in that post credit scene in Spider-Man Far From Home. I want to live in that for a little while. And I want to know what all of that's about. And I know they can provide updates on that in the movies, they can give us an update on what the hell that is in Captain Marvel 2 or any of the other movies they have coming up. They can continue to to inform us on, on what exactly is going on there with Nick Fury. But I don't just want to have an update in another post credit scene or, you know, a Nick Fury cameo somewhere else in another movie or even having a supporting role in Captain Marvel 2. I want to really exist with Nick Fury in that place in the timeline with everything that he's doing and also selfishly or not selfishly, it'd be good for everybody. I want a Nick Fury and Talos team up because they're so cool together in Captain Marvel. And then the little bit we got between them in the post credit scene, Spider-Man far from home and just an excuse to see more Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. And I'm totally up for that. 
So I'm all about those types of ideas, and I want to see what Nick Fury is doing afterwards. I mean, the Infinity Saga, they told that story and they concluded that story, and it doesn't mean you can never go back into it. I am excited about them going back for this key story with Black Widow. So it's not that I'm not at all excited about that. I, I am and I can be and I can continue to be. But I also really want to be able to move forward. And I, I think we've spent so much time in that shield space. And maybe it's because I watched every season and every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where I'm like, I saw a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm ready to move on to something else. That's and fair. I didn't see a ton of Nick Fury S.H.I.E.L.D. So that part's fair. But I think I'm also ready to to move on. And, and I know that based on the way things ended for Daisy Johnson, Sky. Uh, you know, Chloe Bennett's character, Quake in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know that a lot of people are, are looking at this as, you know, she was out in space. And so now it's going to be Agents of S.W.O.R.D. and Nick Fury will be there and Daisy Johnson will be there. Maybe that happens, but uh, emphasis on maybe like I, I don't really I'm not really looking at that. I, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wrapped up. And I think Nick Fury is going to be onto other things in this series because he really wasn't involved in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond what his last cameo, I think, was in season two. So he hasn't been involved in that series for a long time and doesn't really have any association with those characters. So I think this is about something else. I don't think this is like some way of, of keeping that era of Marvel television alive. I think Disney is doing or Marvel Studios doing their own thing on Disney Plus. But I'm also just... You know, with Nick Fury, I don't think he was ever going to get his own movie. So giving him a Disney Plus series allows us to spend a lot more time with that character and explore that character even more than we've had the opportunity to do in the films. But I'm also my preference right now is for that to be in the present day because I, I want to see Nick Fury out in space looking for his shoes. Like I, I really want to see and it doesn't mean he can't go back to Earth because it looks like based on the WandaVision trailer, sword stuff might be happening on Earth as well. So I, I like the idea of seeing Nick Fury doing a little bit of spy games, but also doing more than that, because we've had a lot of Nick Fury, the super spy. What is it now with Nick Fury having to deal with not just keeping track of threats on Earth, but really out in, you know, out in the cosmos and, you know, out just deep into space and figuring out stuff. So I'm all about that. I, I want to see Nick Fury, you know, space explorer just as much as I want to see Nick Fury, the spy. Yeah, I. This is now yeah, there's this this could be a lot of speculation. Well, I, I, I really don't I can't really say much more without going heavy and everything. So we'll, let me save this a lot of what I want to say for another episode. Yeah, but I will. The what I will end on for my end is that whatever they do, I want it to be expanding the Marvel Universe, not just in the like, you know, the stupid way of just like another story in the Marvel universe where they introduce like one character. I want them to go really deep. And I think that Nick with, uh, with a character like Nick Fury and the connections you can instantly make with so many different things he could do with, with his shield or sword connections. Um, there's a lot you could do. And I think that's what, that's what I wanted the agents of shield to be, which it was. And it wasn't, it was ma mainly, it was mostly wasn't, but it tried to at times I want whatever his show to be, to be ex that's what it's, its job is expanding the Marvel universe through Nick Fury, which again, makes a lot of sense given his character and his history in the MCU alone. So that's what I want out of it. And that's, if that's what I get, whether he's on sword shield hammer, whatever the hell you want to put him into, I don't care. Just give him, I want the show to expand the universe, not just 
telling Nick Fury story out of, you know, just for, he's like, hey, I'm going to shoot you with my gun because I'm Nick Fury. I don't want that. I'm, I, 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 I'm over that. Give me something expanding the universe, not just a Nick Fury story. Exactly. So, expanding the universe, Nick Fury in space. It, which is fine. Again, I, like I said, I'm fine with that. Give I mean, me as long as it does that. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, and Nick Fury has his share of cosmic adventures in the comics. It happens. Yes, so there's there's a basis for it. There is. There is. So uh, I think that's well, I think we're caught up on the biggest stories that are going. But just knowing what happened last time between this recording and the time you heard this show, I'm sure another massive Marvel story has popped up. And maybe I've already had to re-record a different intro that you already heard. And so this is the Avengers Endgame time loop that we're dealing with. I don't really know. But that is where we are going to wrap up this episode. But before we get out of here, got some folks to thank. Thank you very much to James S., Sarah L., Cody H., Taylor O., Devin, and Joe R. They are some of the patrons we have over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And uh, so that's where people get access to, or actually, no, it's not Marvel Studios News. It's patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. That is where you, you will find access to exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else so that is where we have exclusive patreon credit scenes where we do additional topics on top of the main episodes we have exclusive commentary tracks the marvel unlimited book club where we're going to be talking about the tana the ta coats run of black panther very soon that'll be available on the patreon and we have that exclusive discord community that i mentioned earlier and if you do sign up and you get exclusive audio you get your own private rss link that you can put into a podcatcher like apple podcasts so that you get all of your Patreon-exclusive content. It's all in one feed. The main show, the Patreon-exclusives, you don't have to track it down in multiple places. And also, one note about Cody H. and the thank yous there. That's actually Cody Havard, who is a professor at the University of Memphis, and I actually got to be... uh, I did a video interview with him for his class this semester. So I will go ahead, and that video is available on YouTube but I will post a link to that in the show notes for this episode so you can go into it and you can find that video if you want to hear and see me talk about Marvel. I know you probably hear enough about me, enough of me talking about Marvel, but just in case, uh, I will make that available for all of you as well. And then make sure you're following us in the places that you can at MCU Fan Show, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Paul, where can they follow you? Follow me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug, also on Instagram with at Herman22 with two ends. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 